the secret in the quiet place in the stillness you are In the secret, in the quiet hour I wait only for you, cause I want to know you more. I want to know you, I want to hear your voice, I want to This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me welcome you to Help Ready Ministries. I'm so pleased that you've joined us for the service tonight, and I trust that both the message and the music will be a blessing. Tonight I'm going to be reading the scripture from the book of Acts, two places, 
Acts chapter 4 and chapter 11. Would you hear, please, the reading of God's Word? Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now let's hear the word from Acts chapter 11. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, how thankful we are for this day. We are grateful for your presence. We are thankful that we can come now and share in your word. May ears be open to hear. May my mouth be well to speak. It's in your name. Amen. One afternoon, a woman walked through a cemetery in England. She came to an abrupt stop when she happened to spy one of the tombstones. The words on the tombstone simply said, she was a great encourager. What an epitaph for any of us. And what a gift we can bring. Now the church has no difficulty in remembering the Apostle Paul, this mighty person who brought so many contributions to the church. But what about the one who encouraged Paul? I'm talking about one of the greatest witnesses of the early church. I'm talking about Barnabas. Barnabas. How much do we really know about Barnabas? He's introduced first as Joseph, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Being a Levite, he could have been a very narrow person in his faith, but he wasn't. We are told that he was open and gracious. The first time we see Barnabas is in the book of Acts. He's selling his property and he's bringing his money and giving it to the poor and the needy. Next, we see Barnabas in connection with Saul. You remember Saul was this notorious persecutor of Christians. He was on his way to Damascus, as I said, to persecute the Christians. When suddenly the living Christ, the living Christ interrupted his travels, and this Christ challenged him, and this Christ brought him to his knees. Well, in a few months, after his life had been turned upside down, he went back to Jerusalem to tell the people there that he was now a Christian. Well, who was going to believe him? These people had simply known him as a great persecutor of Christians. Can a leopard change his spots? Hardly. So this great missionary, the greatest missionary of the church, could have been rejected by the people there had it not been for Barnabas, this Barnabas who introduced him 
and got him accepted by the community of Christians in Jerusalem. A short time later, word came to Jerusalem that there was some preaching going on down in Antioch. The message was being delivered to the Gentiles, believe it or not. And so Barnabas was sent down to Antioch to check this out. When he got down there, he found out that Jesus Christ was winning Gentile hearts as well as other hearts. And so Barnabas was so glad that the gospel of Jesus was for everybody. But he also sent for Paul. He didn't mind playing second fiddle as long as the gospel interest was represented. So he brought Paul to Jerusalem to share in this mission. And then it was Barnabas who accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey. And he would have gone with him a second time, except that he and Paul became upset about John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on the second missionary journey, but Paul didn't want that because he felt Mark had let him down on the first one. At any rate, Barnabas and Paul separated at this point. And on the second missionary journey, Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark to Cyprus. But everything ended well. It ended well, you see, because later Paul spoke kindly and affectionately of both Barnabas and Mark in his letters. But let me tell you, it was Barnabas who saved Mark for the church. He gave him a second chance, and he saved him for the church because, as many scholars say, it was this same Mark who wrote the first gospel. He could have been lost to the church had it not have been for Barnabas. Well, in brief, this is the ministry of Barnabas. As the book of Acts says in describing him, he was a good man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was the name given to him by his friends, his friends who knew him best. What does the name Barnabas mean? It means son of encouragement. And I think Barnabas has a message for our world today as this world continues to grope after hope. First of all, we see the lessons of Barnabas. We see the lessons of Barnabas. What are those lessons? First of all, Barnabas was gracious and open. Dr. Carl Segal was the former pastor of the First Methodist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. He said he went to one of the Southeastern Conference basketball tournaments. And he said while he was at the concession stand, a man came over and introduced himself and said he had heard him preach. As a matter of fact, he remembered a couplet that Carl Segal had used. Don't make tragedies of trifles and don't shoot butterflies with rifles. Carl Stegall said he was very impressed by the man. He remembered the couplet, but even more, he said that he and his wife had sat down every morning at the table, and they had shared that couplet. Don't make tragedies of trifles, and don't shoot butterflies with rifles. Come to think about it, that's a pretty good couplet to apply to any area of a person's life. No question about that. And then Barnabas was also a kind of guy who was open to the poor and the needy. You know, in a church I just got through serving, every first Saturday in December, we had something we did for the people of the community. We got shoes and toys and clothes, and we provided a hearty meal, we provided entertainment. That was a visit from Santa. And 300 volunteers would work and minister to 1,800 to 2,000 people who had needs, who came out of our community. After last year's event, several of us on the church staff, along with some laity, sat down and evaluated 
this particular meeting, what had gone on in it. And I remember one of the lay people said this, what can we do more for the poor and the needy? That is a magnificent question. To me, that is a Barnabas question. In other words, what can the church do more to help the poor and the needy? That is a Barnabas question, a great question. And then Barnabas gave a second chance. Carol Kent said that she, she's a noted author, she went to a beauty parlor. This was right after her son had been convicted of first-degree murder. She went into the beauty parlor, and she said she just knew that all those women sitting around were talking about her. And they were thinking, well, your son is a murderer. What are you doing out in public? But she said one of the employees, an eyebrow plucker, pulled her back into the back room and gave her a hug. This eyebrow plucker hugged her and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Don't worry about those women. They'll be talking about somebody else next week. Carol Kent said that she was so grateful for this new friend, and this friend had risk being an encourager for her. Barnabas was a great encourager, to say the least. And then the second thing, everybody needs to be encouraged every day. I'm of the opinion that everybody needs a word of encouragement every single day. I am also of the opinion that if we encourage people effectively, it will lead to changes in their lives. We Methodists understand that from our denominational history. Back in the 18th century, it was generally understood that there was a certain class of people that would never be able to participate in the Christian faith. They never went to church. They lived on the animal level. And so they just were doomed, according to everybody. But John Wesley, this great Methodist founder, decided to do some field preaching. He went out to the field where the miners of Bristol were. He preached to them before 5 o'clock in the morning. And he preached to the alcohol-soaked crowds of the slums of London. And then he discovered what Barnabas had discovered in Antioch. He discovered that Christ finds people who are outside the camp. When these people, these miners and these alcohol-soaked people of the slums of London, they heard this word of God, this word of encouragement proclaimed by someone who cared, it changed their lives, it changed their faulty understanding and made them different. I think in a way, this has been true of African Americans in this nation. They have heard people like Martin Luther King Jr. who said, I have been to the promised land. I have been to the promised land. I may not get there with you, but he said, we as a people are going to make it to the promised land. Again, these African Americans discovered that Jesus Christ could find them in their sufferings. When somebody cared enough, somebody gave a word of encouragement like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and others. Their faulty understandings and the faulty things that happened to them disappeared and they began to live new lives. A man went out one morning to get his newspaper. And when he did, there was this, he saw this little dog coming with his newspaper in his mouth, bringing it to him. He was a dog of a neighbor across the street. And so the man chuckled about this, and he ran back, and he got a treat and gave it to the little dog, and the little dog happily walked off. The next morning, the man went out to the porch to get his paper, and there was that little dog sitting there again. But this time, there were eight neighbors' newspapers 
sitting beside him. We humans respond to treats very much like that dog, especially when it's a word of encouragement or affirmation or affection. We'll always respond to a word of encouragement. You know, as a senior minister, I've always tried to say to young ministers' conferences that I've had the privilege of leading that the role of a senior minister is very much like the role of Barnabas, to be a son or daughter of encouragement. That is our role as a senior minister. I'm not sure that I've always lived up to that, but that's been my desire and that's been my purpose, to be a kind of senior minister that would be a Barnabas to the church staff and to others. You see, a Barnabas is always encouraging a good word from the pulpit. A Barnabas is always encouraging a family spirit. A Barnabas is always encouraging the staff to do better and better. A Barnabas is always discovering and encouraging great expectations. As I said, I may not always have lived up to this, but this has been my desire, my purpose, and what I tried to do. I hope that you've had a Barnabas in your life, at least one. I'm talking about some preacher, teacher, coach, some scoutmaster, some parent, some friend, somebody who encouraged you. I've been so fortunate to have Barnabases in my life. Oh, I've had my distractors and still do. But I've had so many more people who believed in me and believe in me. I hope you've had the same thing. I want to take you on a trip back to 1969. Back in 1969, I was the associate pastor of the then 3,500-member Decatur First Methodist Church in Decatur, Georgia. Every day, I was conferring with my district superintendent, a man by the name of Dr. Nat Long, about my next appointment. It was appointment time in the church. Where was I going to be sent to serve the church? One day, I very boldly asked, I said, Dr. Long, where am I going? He said, to Clayton, Georgia. He said, I want you to go up there and read some great books. I said, Dr. Long, I can read great books down here because I remembered that the whole Raven County only had 8,300 members. That church I served had 3,500 members. I said, I can read down here. At any rate, I went on to Clayton, Georgia and spent six wonderful years up there with some absolutely fantastic people. Now I want to take you to 1984. 1984, 15 years later, it was determined that I was now going to be the pastor of the Glen Memorial United Methodist Church on the campus of Emory University. As I was sitting at a banquet the first day of the conference, I looked up and I saw him coming. I'm talking about Dr. Nat Long. He was limping on his cane. He limped all the way down that corridor to where I was sitting. He handed me an envelope and he said, read this envelope when you get home. I put it in my pocket. When I got back home late that afternoon, I pulled it out of my pocket and I did as he said. I opened it up, and this is what I read. Why is Hal Brady going to Glen Memorial Church? And then he had put it in his own words because he read great books. Well, great books or not, Dr. Nat Long was one of the great Barnabases of my life, and I have had and continue to have many. Dr. Hoover Rupert was one of the great Methodist preachers of our time or any time. He said one time he was down and out, he felt like quitting. An older minister came to him and said, Son, just remember that God has a bigger stake in your life than you'll ever know. 
Hoover Rupert said that changed his life. And beloved, that will change our lives as well. Just knowing that God has a bigger stake in our lives than we will ever know. Everybody needs a word of encouragement. We all need Barnabas's to give us that word. And then one other thing I want to say, like Barnabas, we're called to be encouragers, to be encouragers in the lives of others. Just one example I think will do. Zig Ziglar has run some conferences. They're called Born to Win Conferences. And when somebody makes a contribution, any kind of contribution, he asks everybody to write a, a note to them, a note of encouragement. It's this kind of note, I like, dash, because. Well, after one of these conferences, 11 of the participants went to a restaurant with one of the staff members for that Born to Win seminar. And they were sitting there, her name was Gina Womack, and they were sitting there and they ordered and they had an absolutely wonderful waitress by the name of Wendy. Wendy was just super special, just so kind and nice. And after she had taken the order, one of the people of this group said, why don't we just do a I like because for Wendy. They didn't have any of the forms. And so these 11 people began to write on the napkin. The first one, Peter, wrote why he liked Wendy and he was very specific mentioned some of her behaviors, and it went around all the room. Everybody wrote why they liked Wendy specifically. When it was over, the napkin was covered on both sides, and they attached a, a business card to it, each one did, and then Gina called Wendy over. And when Wendy came and she was presented the napkin, Gina said she had the widest smile of anybody I've ever seen in all my life. And the people at the table applauded her for three minutes. And she just grinned and grinned and grinned. He or she is a great encourager. What an epitaph for our lives or our tombstones by the way we live our lives. He or she is a great encourager. Let us pray. Lord, for this day, we offer you our thanks. For all the Barnabases in our lives, we offer you our thanks. We pray, O oh God, that you'd help us to be Barnabases to other people. Help us to be people of encouragement, not criticism. We know people don't make it so well on criticism. So help us to stop being critics. But help us to be encouragers, to help people to live their lives to the best they possibly can. Thank you, O oh God, for encouraging us. Help us to be faithful in encouraging others. And we'll always give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our task. That is our mission, to be encouragers, Barnabases to other people. Thank you for listening tonight. And I pray that all of us will be Barnabases to everybody we come in contact with. Good night.
turn our hearts and minds to you, Lord. Let us hear what you would say. We say we want to live our lives for you. We say we want to carry your will through. But the day begins, the world moves in, the worries and the fears descend. Oh, Jesus, see us through. Oh, Jesus, see us through. This day is a precious gift from you. We won't have this chance again. Help our every word and deed, Lord. Come from your strong guiding hand. Give us the strength and power here this day To let your love shine through us, Lord, we pray To turn from wrong and stand up strong Even as we sing this song Help us to know your Lord, we pray to turn from wrong, stand up strong, even as we sing this song. Help us to know your way. Help us to live your way. Help us to show your way. Won't you help us, Lord, this day? Help us, Lord, this day. 